Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Before we look into uh, Psalm 72 further, we're going to just consider some things about that Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, what did we just pledge and, and why did we say those things? Uh, I want to start by thinking about that and then we're looking in Psalm 72 and we're going to see how many of the same concerns in, that are in the pledge are, are addressed in this psalm. Now, does anybody know where the Pledge of Allegiance originated from and when? It was actually back in August of uh, 1892 a clergyman named Francis Bellamy wrote it. Originally it was a little bit shorter, and then 1923 some of the words were changed or added. It used to just say, I pledge allegiance to my flag, now it's, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And then also in 1954, in response to what was going on in the world with atheistic communism being a threat, uh, President Eisenhower encouraged Congress to add the words under God. And by a joint resolution of Congress, it was made official, and thus we have the 31-word pledge that, that we recited today. Well, besides the red, white, and blue flag with the 13 stripes and 50 stars that are, are the official flag of the United States of America, uh, what did we just uh, pledge our allegiance to? To the republic for which it stands. Well, our nation is a republic. What is that? By definition, it's a, it's a state um, in which the supreme power is held by the people and their elected representatives, and, and which are then elected or, and also the, a nominated president rather than having a monarch. Another source defined it this way, it's a, it's a kingless form of government with no monarchy or hereditary, hereditary uh, aristocracy. Um, we, we pledged loyalty then to this nation that we live in and to that form of government that we have um, where the supreme power is to be held by the people and their elected representatives. Maybe in some of these last months with this pandemic going on around us in some states more than others, some of those elected leaders have acted a little more like monarchs or, or dictators than elected governors, and uh, yet most people have still tried to cooperate with their leadership. Well, that pledge also then includes those words, one nation under God. And, and the phrase under God was inserted, as I mentioned, by President Eisenhower in Congress back in 1954, and thus emphasizing that above all earthly rulers, there's this sovereign God who reigns supreme. The words of the pledge include indivisible. That means unable to be divided or separated. And Bellamy chose that word, reflecting back on history just a little few years before him uh, in the Civil War, and how the nation had weathered that and still remained the United States of America. Well, today, in many respects, we may, seem, we may say that it seems like uh, we are a very divided nation, divided by political ideologies, divided by states, 
and by vastly different perspectives on how to handle the threat to this coronavirus pandemic, divided by issues relating to race and gender, and now it seems divided in perspectives on the value of or lack of value of law enforcement officers. And there are various local movements afoot to defund the police, some of them with some completely unrealistic agendas. You've probably heard of out in Seattle, for instance, where there are protesters that now occupy a multi-block area. Um, they call CHAZ for short. It's, it's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And they have armed guards demanding IDs in order to let anyone in. And uh, they are calling it a, a no-cop zone. I, I did understand, though, that just this last week, they weren't quite as autonomous as they thought as they'd called the local fire department to put out a dumpster fire. In spite of such divisions going on in our land, still, thus far, we are one nation, indivisible. In the pledge, we also say, with liberty and justice for all. And those are still our goals as a nation. And our individual liberties are framed by the, the Bill of Rights, uh, which make up in the first ten amendments of the U.S. Constitution. And, and those rights then include freedom of religion, freedom of speech, uh, the right to peaceably assemble, and the right to bear arms. And they also include then the right to, uh, when you're accused, be notified of the accusations, face the accuser, and, and be given a fair trial. Liberty and justice for all. That's what we pledged our allegiance to today. It's interesting to me that those are things desired by people really everywhere and in all times, no, no matter what their form of government, whether it be a democracy, a republic, a monarchy, or even a dictatorship or something else. And as we look in Psalm 72 then here, this is a psalm of Solomon, um, either written by him or perhaps written for him, maybe even by his father, as a prayer for his reign over the nation of Israel. In the first four verses of the psalm, there's this expression then of the kind of king that people desire. And the same qualities really are desired for us in our president or our other government officials in a republic. What are those, those qualities? One would be that that person would make righteous judgments and would be concerned for the afflicted. And you know, people everywhere desire to be governed by good laws and by judges that are fair. They desire to have rulers who care about all of the people and who have a special concern for those that are most vulnerable, those who are afflicted in various ways. And so you see in those first verses here, it says, give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. And this righteousness word here um, it has connotations not only of doing what is right, but also of something that is functioning properly. And isn't that what we all desire? That those that are in positions of government or authority would make it function properly? And yet that is a, a, an elusive thing, it seems to be, and how easily dysfunction and corruption slip in. Well, we also desire our leaders to have a, a, a peaceful and prosperous reign. Verse 3 talks of that. Let the mountains bring peace to the people. 
we, we desire, really, don't we, that the, the absolute opposite of some of what we've seen in the news lately with those riot scenes in cities all over the country this last week. And I have so felt for police and for National Guard troops and others that are trying their best to reestablish law and order and, and bring peace to areas where it seems that there's anarchy and destruction going on. And I have to say honestly that, that I have at times misjudged some of those that are in those positions calling the shots. I think even of down in Minneapolis as, as they faced large crowds and, and massive looting and destruction going on in multiple places at once. And they had to make quick decisions. And they made a decision to, to vacate rather than escalate a massive loss of life. And you know, after watching some of those initial news clips complete with the political spin that often gets put on them, in the following days I've watched press conferences with government leaders and, and uh, the police chief of Minneapolis and so on. And I have to say, I was, I'm so glad I wasn't in their situation making those decisions. We sure need to pray for them. The Apostle Paul reminds us of that in 1 Timothy 2, where he says... First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why should we pray for them? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. But this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we're reminded from Paul there, it's, a, it's appropriate to pray for peace and prosperity and that we would have tranquil and quiet lives so that it would help us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's continue to be in prayer for those in leadership of our land and of our state and so on in those roundtable talks happening, um, convened by our president and others. Well, besides desiring that our rulers would have peaceful and prosperous reign, we also desire that they would be ones that are, are truly caring about the needy and the oppressed. Verse 4, may he vindicate the afflicted of the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. It should be the concern, really, of every government leader that the needy would be cared for, and that those who oppress them would be crushed. And that verse, to me, sounds like at times there needs to be even then also a show of force, whether that be at the hands of government or the hand of God himself. The Psalm of Solomon goes on then to include a, a prayer regarding the length of the king's reign. And, and so the psalmist prays here, God, may the people fear you as long as the sun and moon stay in the sky. Throughout all generations, as long as mankind is here on the earth. And so he prays that the king would have a long reign and also that he would be timely in his provision for his people. Verse 6, like, like God is timely in his provision even of rain. And, and boy, we experienced that this last week, didn't we? Just when it was getting where the crops were in the ground and gardens were planted and the grass was starting to really dry out and we got those generous two inches of rain that just replenished the vegetation. Well, not all leaders' timing is so good as that. Sometimes they make decisions late, and it affects all kinds of people. The psalmist prays also for the king that all the days of his rule would be characterized by peace and by the righteous flourishing, 
And as we look further in the psalm, it focuses also then on the scope of this king's influence. That, that he would have an expansive rule. Now, just think about it. If, if you have a really good king and he's ruling well and caring for his people, you'd like him to keep ruling for, for years and years. And you'd like to see his kingdom grow larger and impact more of the world. Verse 8 talks of that. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. In addition, all people desire that their leader would know favor then even in foreign relations, even with his enemies. Verse 9, let the nomads of the desert bow before him and the enemies lick the dust. And I picture here the nomads of the desert back in those Old Testament days, for instance, and they probably had no loyalty to any particular country. They just wandered wherever they could find vegetation for their flocks. And maybe they were a bit like some of those that don't desire government rule today. However, what this psalmist is praying is that those nomads would love this king. Let the kings of Tarshish and the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all the kings bow before him. All nations serve him. And that, that is the prayer here. It's a prayer for a very extraordinary king who would be like a world leader loved by all. And what a great thing that would be to have that for a nation's leader, for any nation. And, and the prayer here is that in addition to this king of Israel having a long and prosperous reign and a universal favor, he would also be one that has this heart of compassion for the needy and the afflicted. And you know, every nation has poor and has vulnerable people, those who need help and protection. And some of them are minority races or, or widows or orphans or, or ones with shortage of funds and without strong family supports. And they can end up sometimes being preyed upon by predators who don't really care about them but just want to use them. And so the prayer for the king of Israel is that he would have a heart of compassion for the needy and afflicted and that he'd be rescuing those lives from oppression and violence. Verse 12, For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help, the afflicted also, and him who has no helper. He'll have compassion on the poor and the needy, and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence, and their blood would be precious in his sight. And ideally, in a nation with such a leader, his people would be continually praying for him and speaking well of him. You see that in verse 15, So may he live. And may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. And in that ideal nation, with such a king, not only would the people constantly pray for and speak well of him, but, but he also would have the blessing of God upon him in his kingdom. And what would that blessing of God look like? Well, I see the psalmist mentioning three areas here especially that would reflect such a blessing of God on a nation. And that is... Fruitful farming, flourishing cities, and a limitless legacy. Verse 16 there, fruitful farming. May there be abundance of grain in the earth. Where? Even on top of the mountains. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. As we've seen lately in the news, cities are really a challenging place to live. They end up being melty pots, really, for all kinds of people with vastly different backgrounds and cultures. And the psalmist's prayer is that under good and godly leadership with God's blessing, people in that city would flourish 
and, and they'd get along. And, and so when God blesses a nation and its leaders and farming is fruitful and cities flourish, also then this, this uh, leader would have a limitless legacy. His name would be known as one of the great leaders of all time. Verse 17, may his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines. Let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. Wouldn't it be great to have such a king or such a president or governor? But alas, all of our earthly leaders fall far short of that. They make some serious mistakes. They're sometimes selfish. At times their egos get in the way of their governing will. And farming doesn't always go so well in their land. Sometimes their government involvement just makes matters worse for the farmers. And life in their cities is sometimes wracked by poverty and addictions and prejudices. You know, we have here in the United States of America significantly different government and national structures than the, the nation of Israel under Solomon. But yet the needs and, and the heart desires of the people are still much the same. However, what we desire is unattainable here on this earth because every government system will be set up by fallible and corruptible humans and every nation will be made up of fallible and corruptible humans. Charlie Kirk said this, it's admirable to say that we want to end racism in America, but it's also widely unrealistic to say that you're going to end sin in America. You know, it seems to me that in these days of the coronavirus and these days of race tensions, people are looking to government officials to solve something that they can't solve. And I've watched several presidential press conferences in the last weeks, and, and reporters keep asking Press Secretary Clay McKennany things like this. Well, does the president believe this, or does the president support this, and so on. Firing those questions one after another, always looking to hear back answers, I think in many cases to give them fodder, to criticize and, and blame them for something. Like he should be able to solve every problem in our country. This psalm was a prayer for the king of Israel, and it holds up an ideal. But you know what? All of the kings of Israel, including Solomon, who was the wisest king around, fell short of it. And so will all presidents and governors. Only one king can reign so well, and his name is Jesus. Only Jesus is so full of compassion for the needy and afflicted. Only Jesus is so fully able to rescue them. Only he is without sin and selfishness. And his kingdom is not a mere earthly kingdom with physical boundaries where you can put up a wall and checkpoints and so on. But his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of men. And you know, only in heaven will all humanity get along and be fully at peace. And in order for us to get along better here on this earth, we self-centered sinners and our leaders who are also sinners need a change of heart. And that only comes as we humble ourselves and we admit our own sins. And we look to Jesus, the Son of God, for forgiveness and for reconciliation in our relationship with God and with our fellow man. 
And the last verses of this psalm remind us of the God who is above all earthly kings and kingdoms. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. Blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. You know, in, in Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, he stated his desire for the country to heal after the great civil war, and his words included these, that this nation, under God, would have a new birth of freedom. And it was based on those words that the words one nation under God were added to the Pledge of Allegiance. And their recognition that God alone is able to work wonders. Only his name is unending, and only his glory fills the whole earth. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the perspective you give us from your word. And Lord, as we look at our land today, there are things that have been very discouraging for us in these last weeks and months. And Lord, we do see this growing political divide and this polarization happening among people all over and the tendency with social media to choose up sides and spew uh, words of um, disrespect and even hate at each other. Lord, forgive us for that if we've been part of facilitating that. And Lord, help us that, that each one of us would... Uh, examine our own hearts, and that, Lord, you would show us where there is a wrong perspective, where, where there is sin, where there are prejudices or uh, selfishness that shape our attitudes toward each other and, and toward you, Lord. And, and, Lord, we ask for you to do a work in, in our land to, to bring peace, but, Lord, we recognize from your word today that that can only happen as you work in the hearts of individuals. And so, Lord, we pray for revival in this land. We pray that that would begin here with us and with churches all over America. Uh, we pray that you would help us then to spread the message of peace that is found only in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we thank you that we can look to you, that you are the supreme ruler of all, and that even when things are chaos around us, you can still give us peace in our hearts as we know that things are right in our relationship with you and that you help us in, in our attitudes toward each other and, and toward those in government, in our land, and so on. And we do pray, Lord, again, for our leaders in, in our, our nation and, and our state and even locally here, Lord, that, that you would give them wisdom and in these troubled times they would recognize afresh that the calling you put them in is beyond them and they would humble themselves and seek your wisdom and that you would guide them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.